0: time. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have with me a special guest, and I say this all the time, but I have a really special guest. Her name is Stephanie Olson. She has a project called Set Me Free, and I'm not going to elaborate on it. I'm going to let Stephanie do what she does great in explaining to you who she is in this program. Please take the stage.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. So the set me free project is all about patient on sex trafficking human trafficking as well because we do sex trafficking and labor trafficking and social media safety and healthy relationships so we actually go directly into the classroom and we have a curriculum from third grade through college age for youth and we also educate adults from every facet of the community so Parents, community members, educators, um, and industry specific, because unfortunately, everybody's seeing human trafficking. We just don't always realize that we are.
0: Okay, because it is a thing like um I me and you talking our minor pre-call that we did just beforehand. Um, you know, with my travels, I, everybody knows I'm in West Virginia, but I travel everywhere in uh, a state that I went through, Ohio. I never noticed it and everybody um, that I talk to when we do talk about this, because this is a topic that has become very big over the last, I mean, it's always been a big topic, topic, but the last, I want to say five to eight years, uh, it it all started with me, for instance, in truck stop areas. I used to drive a a truck on a a 12-hour schedule, and you notice certain things, you know, there were certain people that have certain activity at this, at these truck stops, but then you notice something different. It was something a little quiet, something a little bit more organized going on. And, you know, we won't go into deep detail until we get further into this, but um, the one question that I wanted to ask, and this is just a real, real deep, deep personal question. What sparked your interest in human trafficking and educating people on that?
1: That is a great question. And, Um, I have a really disappointing answer. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing? In fact, I got into it kicking and screaming. And here's my passion. My passion is for youth and um, wanting them to understand and recognize that they have incredible value and incredible worth. And what happened was I had been working in the area of domestic violence um, addiction with women specifically. And one of my coworkers said, hey, let's work with sex trafficked victims. That was the quote. We had no idea what that meant. And so we started to really study what that looked like and what that looked like in our community and really domestically in the United States was very different than what we thought it looked like. Because a lot of us, you know, when we think of human trafficking, we think of the movie Taken, we think of being kidnapped, Shipped overseas, and we're just really hoping Liam Neeson is in our lives at that point. Yes, yes, yes. So that's what we think it is, but that's not what it looks like most often at all. What it looks like is relationship building and it's a grooming process. And the number one place that traffickers are luring the individuals they traffic is social media. And so we see this. Um, you know, somebody might look at, uh, a social media post and say, okay, well, that one looks like somebody I want to target because maybe they're saying, "I hate my mom today. She sucks or whatever it might be. And then I can latch on and say, you do me too. Let's, let's connect. And so that it's happening in a way that we just don't expect it to look like.
0: Right, so it's not like, because the, the movies always make it seem like it's a predatory way of seeking someone that's truly insecure, when it could be the captain of the football team, the captain of the cheerleading squad of any social faction inside of a school or outside of a school, you know, it could be the, yeah. the home the home student, you know.
1: Yeah, it really could be, and traffickers go after the vulnerable, they, they absolutely do, but But vulnerabilities are not necessarily weaknesses. Vulnerabilities are just, um, can be just things that we are. Like, for example, our age could be a vulnerability that we can't control. And so what traffickers do is go after those vulnerabilities, build relationships with those people. And now I think, wow, I trust you. I have a relationship with you. And so it kind of changes how you view what the trafficker just asked you to do. And now it's something you're choosing. It's a, it's a very sick, twisted process.
0: It sounds like it's a crazy web that just gets intertwined and gets you inter- intertangled. Then it's an entanglement and you don't know what to do afterwards. Yeah. So, um, just to go back a little bit, and I probably should have done this earlier, to educate people, uh, could you give us a firm definition of human trafficking? And the reason for this, and the reason I ask this, is because, uh, you know, in our society, people will hear something, and then they will assume a definition of it, and then that definition comes to fruition as something visual, and that's what they're stuck with, and they can't get past it. So, if you wouldn't mind explaining, I'd gladly appreciate that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it's a great, great question. So human trafficking is literally the buying and selling of human beings for the personal profit or gain of another person. So that could be any trade of value. So if I'm selling a human being or if I'm buying a human being, there's some sort of value exchange, could be money, could be drugs, could be media, whatever. And then it is through force, fraud, or coercion. So in other words, in in simple terms, it's buying and selling of human beings through force, fraud, or coercion. We often hear about force because force is sensational. It's exciting. That's what we think about. We think about the white van driving by and picking us up and, oh my gosh, watch out. Don't go to Walmart and park next to the white van. You know, that's what we think about. But what happens is it's typically through fraud, which is anything deceptive, like a fake relationship, could be a fake job offer, something like that, or coercion, which is manipulation. And it's kind of those, those chains that we think about with force, only mental. And that's really what it is.
0: Okay. And that's a good definition. I, and thank you for explaining it that way, because like you said, um, to me, once I learned more about it, and I've seen more in the last, because I'm not saying the last few months has been a strong emphasis, because it's been an emphasis for a long time, but, yeah. like, you, you you see it different, and just like the incident I told you about, like, right. to think of those people on a, a wide scale, it was just like, wow. Now, you have a program, Set Me Free Project. The reason I want to go into it first, because you have um, ways to help people with risk management, how to protect their children, and um, how that trauma will affect them if this happens. So I would like you to tell us about your program, Set Me Free.
1: Yeah, thank you. Well, um, we started about seven years ago because what we saw was that there were a lot of positive things happening in the counter-trafficking world, but very much on the recovery or restoration side, which is really important. But what we realized is, hey, no one's talking to the targets of trafficking. No one's talking to the people who actually work with them. And the targets of trafficking are often youth. And, um, and so we realized they need to know not only what it looks like, but the, what it doesn't look like and how they can actually protect themselves. So that's how we started And um, when we originally started, we started in one school and one school district, and we have now grown to about 400 schools in the Midwest area, and then we also reach out to other states by selling our curriculum or our model, um, because this is how we do it. It's a little different. We bring a lot of humor, which is, it's not a funny topic, Right. But we always say we take our topic very seriously. We don't take ourselves very seriously. So we bring a lot of engagement in, a lot of activities, do a lot of critical thinking with the kids. And then we love to be a consistent presence. So we love to be there every quarter, every semester, whatever it may be. And um, we have fun with them. And so what happens is we start with the foundation of you have incredible value. You have human dignity. You have worth. Nothing and no one can change that. That's the foundation. And so when we starter, everything else is just kind of a symptom of not getting that piece. And um, we just we love the youth. We do similar things with adults. We don't do as much activity with them, or but we still bring in a lot of humor, a lot of engagement, and. We want to have people actually retain the information. And the studies have shown that with humor and fun, you actually retain it. So that is what we do in a nutshell. And then for people who aren't in our immediate area, we sell our curriculum, but we teach them how to present. So how do you present with humor? How do you have that? You have 30 seconds to get a teenagers' attention. That's it. And so how do you do that? And then we support those agencies throughout the year with our curriculum, with tutorials, things like that, and um, and then they can recertify at the end of the year. So it's it's a really great program that really just focuses on that prevention piece and helping youth stay safe and protected.
0: Okay. And if you venture over to your website, which I'll let you plug for us,
1: www.setmefreeproject.net.
0: You have all kinds of things over there that tell you about you guys, how you got started. And uh, you were talking about your comedy for change.
1: Oh, Um, that's a blast, by the way. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and, and if de- if we could get you to go into detail about that comedy for change and everything else that you can find on this website, because here's the greatest thing about a podcast uh, during a podcast, when you, you get to certain points, I got a guy that listens and he listens to, to it in portions. He's got 15 minutes here and there. So when he hears it, he stops at some point because he, you know, he's got a, uh, marginalized has fifteen minute break, so right. he, he can pass along a little bit of knowledge. But the better knowledge he gets in the middle. So if you wouldn't mind explaining the comedy for change for us, if you don't want, yeah, mind.
1: absolutely. So that's our annual fundraiser, and it's it's kind of funny because people constantly say you are a human trafficking organization. Why in the world are you having a comedy night? And again, it's just our DNA. We are fun. We are you know we don't take ourselves seriously. And so what better way to celebrate youth and and what we do than comedy? So we have a comedy night. um, It's on March 31st, um, 2022, and we do a virtual um, piece as well. So not only can you come and see us in Nebraska, um, but if you can't travel to Nebraska, um, you can join us virtually. And so all of that information will be on our website available for anybody to see and questions. I love to field questions. So if you ever have any, you can reach me at Stephanie at set All right.
0: Thank you for that awesome plug there. Cause that way people know how to reach you. So, um, inside human trafficking, uh, there's words, trauma, resiliency, yeah. um, these things are, are things that talk, people talk about the actual trauma that happens. Um, in these human trafficking, uh, things that take place, cause I don't want to, I don't know the exact word to use when you use with human trafficking, but, uh, when this occurs, there's a good percentage that don't return home. Correct.
1: That is, that is correct. So here's, here's what I will say. A lot of times people think human trafficking means like transporting somewhere. The reality is a lot of times when youth are trafficked, they're still living at home. There was a young gal who was, um, she was in high school. She was getting straight A's. She was um, going to school every day. She would come home, do her homework, go to her part-time job. And she was getting sold or pimped out by her quote unquote boyfriend every night. Mom and dad had no idea. So it can, again, it can look a number of different ways, but the trauma that happens when it's going on, it's layers upon layers upon layers of trauma. And what we are seeing a huge increase of is familial trafficking. So that means mom and dads are the traffickers, grand and grandpas might be the traffickers. So that trauma is just infested in the home. And it is just, it. The, the amount of work that people do in the recovery piece is so extensive. It's years of recovery, but the amount of trauma or the amount of trafficking individuals who actually go back to that life is really high uh, because it's what they know. It's um, what they feel comfortable with and they form a trauma bond with that trafficker and really believe that that's somebody that cares about them. So the people that make it out and stay out um, is 2% or less.
0: Oh, wow. That's, that's really rough.
1: Very scary number, which is why our goal is to stop it before it starts because I mean, we're talking such a low statistic.
0: So it's a continuous chain reaction Yeah. And then they believe that's probably the way of life.
1: Right. So
0: so the the 2% that get out, they come out and you guys help them become a little resilient and and, in prevention. That's one thing that I forgot to say in the very beginning. What you all are doing is like you said, is you're doing the prevention portion that probably hasn't is not very much expressed because I know as a 36 year old, uh, I finished high school in 2004. We never talked about anything to do with human trafficking and that started school in like 1989 90 and going all the way through that time yes, right. we yeah. n- we never talked about it even in college it didn't come up the one time it came up I was working at a uh a, an inventory place that dealt with shipping and crates and oh, different yeah. things and that was the first time I'd ever heard about this and this is wow. 21 from exactly. 1985 to 21 yeah so
1: See, that is the pr- and we're just a really reactive society I mean, when it comes to everything, whether it's healthcare, whether it's um, violence, whether it's what we react. And so we really do need to get that understanding of prevention, stopping it before it starts and giving kids and adults tools, actual tools to really help fight it. Before it ever happens. And then we work with a lot of amazing organizations that do that recovery piece and do that, um, you know, the trauma piece and things like that. So yeah, prevention is, is key.
0: Okay, now we get a little personal with you now, Stephanie, because okay. you're taking you're take, taking care of a lot of people, but, and this is a lot of uh, stuff that you have to take mental anguish into, because you hear some things and you see some things that yeah. ordinary people, well, we're not going to call anybody ordinary, but, but other people do not see. So what type of self-care do you take for yourself mentally to stay focused on this kind of stuff? Because that's the one question we never get to ask anybody, and I always wonder that.
1: That is a, fabulous question. It really is because self-care is so important. And we know that secondary trauma or compassion fatigue, they're real things. So when you see somebody else's trauma, you can experience it. And so it, that's a really important thing for all of us in this industry and so many others to just really learn to take care of themselves. So what I do for self-care, I love to work out. That's probably my biggest self-care piece. Um, But here's one of the things. Everybody, everybody calls me, texts me. Oh my gosh, you've got to watch this human trafficking documentary. Oh, this huge, I never watch those things. The last thing I want to do when I'm not working is think about human trafficking. And so I really do try and separate myself from work as much as possible and focus on my family and things like that. It's it's a hard it's hard to learn to do that and and especially people who are new to this industry I see this a lot everything's human trafficking and then you get burnout. And so that's that's what I have to do for self-care. And okay. I spend a lot of time with my dog. <laughs> okay.
0: And, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that you are doing something to take care of yourself while you're helping the world. Because so many of the helpers and givers of the world don't necessarily have the proper channels or don't use the proper channels. They practice what they don't practice what they preach. And I'm glad to right. hear that you do that. It now, took
1: me a long time to learn that, though. I'm I'm, you know, on the older side. So it took me a long time to figure that out.
0: Okay, now I'd like to jump into something that's a personal topic to me. Um, I was over in Dayton a little while ago and um, there was a big operation called Operation Ohio Notes. Uh, Ohio is a big area and it is the last part of the Midwest before you come into the eastern areas. Like once you hit West Virginia, you're on the Atlantic coast, basically. So Ohio is a hub for many things to come through that area, even though it, it's high up and it doesn't look like stuff comes from there, but you, you feed from Milwaukee, Chicago, Detroit, blah, 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 and anything even coming from your direction sometimes comes through there or K- yeah. Kentucky. So in this operation, um, the Ohio uh, Attorney General and obviously police officers, they made 100 arrests, mm-hmm. over 100 arrests, I- I'm correct. Uh, and, and all 161 of these men that were arrested uh, were attempting to buy sex, do different things with minors. Um, and this ended up becoming the largest human trafficking sting in Ohio history. A city councilman, a teacher, a pilot, and many others were arrested. During this, in this incident, covering the state of Ohio, everybody knows what the state of Ohio looks like, but it covered all major cities, basically in Ohio. Yeah, and, and this was this was kind of uh, kind of like crazy to me that, you know, you have cancelment and all these other people doing this. So what is your take? On this this whole thing, like, because that opened a water eye to me about human trafficking. Because it was like we got into negotiations of talking, and then bam, this happened, and I was like, wow,
1: right? Like,
0: you never think that that much is going on.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. And I think it just shows the extent of human trafficking, and especially when we look at um, those job professions that were um, part of that sting. There was a teacher, um, there were, I mean, these are these are everyday people. These are people in our neighborhoods, in our communities, people we know. And um, I, you know, and this said men, and that is real typical, I think, when the stings happen, that they're men who are busted. But we also need to recognize that not only are men um, trafficking but so are women 42 percent of trafficking recruiters are women whoa which is a high number and um, and so we know that there are men and women that can be traffickers men and women that can be buyers and men and women and boys and girls that are being trafficked and so yeah that I think that sting is very eye-opening because it just shows the span of how broad it is
0: yes because it's a lot of people that they are people of trust that are in these positions and that's what really like it 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 just put a nail in my coffin and closed it a little bit because I was like "Wow, your city councilman that is the most local government that you have that's the actual person that actually makes a decision on what happens on your street It's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's a state senator or something like that. This is somebody that you see going to the hardware store, going to Walmart, Target, wherever. And and he's doing these things. And like I said, you know, beyond what was released, recovering the 10 children, that was amazing to me because where those 10 children were recovered, we'll never hear the rest of the true story outside of whoever else has been recovered. But those 10 children probably have led to more recovery that we just haven't heard of yet
1: that's so that's a really good point um and I think we have to one of the things that um was pointed out that all of these people were were trying to buy sex from a minor yes so that's I mean that's a that's a real critical piece to the puzzle is that you know, the younger they are, the better in in these sick, twisted minds. And so it's, and, and I think the one thing I want to point out, because we see these things and we think, oh my gosh, those poor people over there, you know, but these are our kids, our grandkids, and because of social media, it's in our home on a daily basis. So that's the mindset that I would love to change is that, anybody can be victimized by a trafficker so and I think that that shows that sting just really shows that
0: yeah and it shows a lot about the morality and the perversion and uh, and the the identity uh that is portrayed out here like I'm a type of person and I'm very vocal in this and this takes nothing away from anyone um I'm glad that you guys are educating people on this but the one thing that I, I I hate that doesn't get educated is like like you're like you're telling that it could be anyone. Like mm-hmm. this now gives you identifiers, like, hey, is something over here questionable? You know, this person coaching this sport or this person coaching the academic team.
1: So what you said earlier was these are all people you trust. And one of the big things that we talk to kids about. And, and adults, because we need to stop doing this as a society, but we teach kids that roles are trustworthy. So your teacher is always trustworthy. Your law enforcement is, tra- you know, we teach kids these roles are trustworthy. And although the majority of teachers are incredible, amazing people that love our kids, that is true. I adore teachers. There are bad apples out there that want to harm our children. And so we can't teach our kids that roles are trustworthy and stranger danger. We can't teach that. We have to teach how do you know and recognize a trustworthy person? So that's one of the big things that we really talk to kids about, because if they're not recognizing who's trustworthy and who is a safe adult and what that looks like, what we can't, what, what good does it do? Because there are bad eggs in every profession.
0: Okay. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. Now going back over to your website, since we jumped around a little bit, um, people, you can just scroll on over to www.setmefreeproject.net. You offer an array of things and you offer something that I really like a way that people can help out by donating. Mm -hmm. I love
1: donations.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And um, you have educators that that will help people out. You can request educators. Yep. But um, how can people get in touch with you? I noticed that you gave an email address earlier because some people, you know, some people will go to your website and then some people will look for you guys on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or somewhere else.
1: We are all over the place. Yes. So, um, definitely. You can find us at our website, but you can also find us on Facebook at the set me free project, I believe. Um, and Twitter and Instagram on, and TikTok set me free project. So okay. we try and we try and YouTube, I forget all the, but we're, we're, we try and be as many places as possible so that we can get, cause kind of have two audiences. We have the adults, you know, we have a lot of teachers, a lot of parents, but then we also have those great youth that we love to connect with. So we want to be on every platform we can possibly be on.
0: Right. And then the other audience that no one talks to is the middle age audience or the the that's 20. My,
1: that's my group, middle age.
0: <laughs> that's mine too. Because the middle age audience is one of the ones that definitely will get picked up through all these. And you're also on, uh, what is it, LinkedIn also, right?
1: Oh, yeah, thank you. I, yeah, yep. LinkedIn, you can definitely find us at LinkedIn. And, um, yeah, we're, and, and if you have other places that we should go, we'll go there.
0: Okay. I can greatly appreciate that. Um, now it comes a point in the show. Um, I like to pay homage to, uh, 2020. At, growing up as a youth, uh, on Friday nights, I used to watch it. or so is when it got really juicy and stuff. John Stossel had already done something. Diane Sawyer comes on. And Diane Sawyer had a way of how she would ask questions and it would get you in a certain mood. And then that time frame of about 10.45, 10.50, they didn't give Barbara Walters a lot of time, but she did have enough time. And sometimes she went over until 11.05, so mom will get mad about the news. But um, between Diane Sawyer and Barbara Walters, you got to know the person better. You got to know the situation better. So it's that time. It's time for you, Stephanie Olson, to have your 2020 questions.
1: Awesome. Okay. Okay.
0: Now, um, we all deal with positive, but sometimes we have to answer the negative so that we can have a clearer understanding and a clearer education on someone. Um, and education is the key to people wanting to listen to you and wanting to hear your message. So, um, everybody has a loss or someone has a, has something that happens that moves them inside of what they do. Mm -hmm. So inside your work, what has been something that has been a disappointment that you've turned around and major has made your job brighter?
1: That's an excellent question. And I have an immediate thought. Um, I think one of the hardest parts about, this work are the disclosures. So when kiddos come to us and say, hey, I'm living in a very abusive home, I need help, or I'm being trafficked, or this is happening to a friend of mine. So we get a lot of disclosures. um, And they've increased tremendously over the past couple of years. And I think part of that is just due to the isolation we've been experiencing and some of the changes in our world. But um, one kiddo um, came up to us after a presentation and actually said, um, gosh, no one has ever told me I have value. Thank you for saying that. And then started to share that he lived in an extremely abusive home he was being abused sexually by his brother now, and it was just a really difficult family life. So of course, when that happens, we report and um, we try and get that that kiddo help. Most of the time, we never hear back. We don't know what's happened to the kiddo. We we put it in the hands of um, you know the authorities at that point, and then we just really hope and pray for the best for those kids. But this young boy emailed us and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, they pulled me from my home and um, that was scary, but I am safe now for the first time in my life because of you and I wanted to thank you. And then he emailed us one month later and said, hey, I wanted to tell you today is my birthday and I'm having a birthday because of you. And so that's what makes it all worth it. That's the part that, yeah, it, it comes out of a very negative experience, a kiddo's abuse and pain. And, but then when, when you are able to recognize, gosh, I made a difference, that's, that's everything.
0: Okay. And I like that because, you know, now we have a little bit more inside of you, you know, a little bit, you're a little bit more personable to the audience. You were before, but just going forward (laughs) there. So now here goes our hard hitting question. And we're going to straight to the Barbara Walters one. Okay. Um, There's a billboard up uh, in Nebraska. We'll say in, uh, I don't know much about Nebraska. Wherever the University of Nebraska is at. That's that's
1: Lincoln. Lincoln,
0: Lincoln, Nebraska. There's a billboard up and it says Stephanie Olson. What else does it say?
1: Oh gosh, dang it. That's a tough one. Um, that's good. Okay. Stephanie Olson. Um, so so I have I also have a podcast called Being Resilient because I believe that we all have resiliency in our life and resiliency in life and leadership. And we can all turn our trauma into triumph. So here's what it would say. Stephanie Olson, teaching resilience in life and leadership and turning trauma into triumph.
0: Okay, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Now, uh, before we end this show, I would like you to to do something for me because behind everybody, everybody says that they do everything alone and we do accomplish things alone, but there's supporters somewhere, even if we don't know who they are until later, because sometimes I have people that support the show and do different things that I didn't even know that they were doing. And then I see them and then I find out who that is. So who have been some of your biggest supporters uh, and you educating the world and the youth and the adults about human trafficking?
1: Well, I would say the first um, the first people I would give a shout out to would be my team, because I could not do any of this without my team. And I've got um, Yolanda Harden is like my right arm, and she's our director of operations and programming and all things education. And then I've got an amazing team surrounding us of amazing educators and incredible, incredible people. Um, but we've got some incredible supporters. We've got great board members. We've got great volunteers. Um, and so, but I will tell you probably my biggest supporter of all times has got to be my mom. She okay. is. She's our biggest donor. She's our biggest supporter. She just, she has... Um, she's my biggest fan so um, I would say my team my board members um, we've got great supporters but my mom yeah okay
0: and Stephanie once again I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace and I want to thank you for giving us this very insightful episode and I hope everybody goes over to www.setmefreeproject.net and one more time Stephanie can you please give them everywhere else that they can reach you at
1: Absolutely. Um, You can reach us at info at setmefreeproject.net. You can also find us on Facebook and um, Instagram and um, Twitter. Those are our main ones at setmefreeproject. We would love to connect with you and you can connect with us on LinkedIn, Um, but you can reach me personally at Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E at setmefreeproject.net.
0: Once again, Stephanie, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace. This has been a true pleasure. And this has been a message I've been wanting to get out there. And I'm glad that somehow the cosmos aligned and we were able (laughs) to talk. So once again, thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great.
0: All right, signing off.